house of God this morning. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Resurrected King. He's in the business of resurrecting us. Amen? Amen. That was kind of funny. He's, he's in the business of resurrecting us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 28 as we continue our walk through the Old Testament. We seem to be accomplishing a chapter per week. Uh, today is afterglow, so immediately following service, we're going to be tearing down, and we would invite you to stay for a few extra moments, help us kind of break things down, and then we'll be headed over to uh, Godfather's Pizza. There's a salad bar there. There's uh, what I would call very average pizza, but uh, it's great fellowship that we're going for, not the great pizza. At any rate, I uh, invite you to come and be a part. If you work for Godfather's or have any stock there, I just want you to know I do enjoy their pizza. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, also want to make mention inside of your worship folders, there is an insert, I think, or there was something there for the ladies. And uh, ladies, you want to be heads up on what's happening. There's a ladies' night coming up, and so it's going to be a great time. You guys be up to speed on that. Uh, we come to a portion of Scripture this morning. For me personally, this is one of those epic chapters. Uh, there's a lot of them in the Bible. Uh, generally, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, you'll find some epic chapters in between there. Uh, this is one where Jacob is the focal point, and we're going to look specifically at an occurrence in his life. You know, some things are kind of stacked against him. It's interesting, human nature. Have you, have you identified human nature? Uh, we all have it, and everything is common to man. Everything is common to man. In fact, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, this church that was laden with all kinds of worldly issues because they're folks who live in the world. And they are born again now, but they're struggling with the worldliness. And Paul says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Temptation, human nature, common to man. The beauty is, as Paul reminds us under the inspiration of God's Spirit, that God is faithful and He always, always, say that with me, always provides a way of escape. And so, it's interesting in this whole human nature thing that we saw earlier in our study, some of the human nature in Abraham, the father of faith. It's comforting to know that those of faith still have issues that cloud our walk, if you will. And Abraham and Sarah, they figured they needed to help God out and got their hands mixed in. God had given them a promise for a son. They had waited some 12, 13 years, no son. Sarah gets this idea, maybe we need to help God out. My womb is barren. Here's my handmaiden, Hagar. Take her as wife. And 
perhaps God will provide a son on my knees through her that will be the son of promise. So Abraham agrees to this scenario, and Ishmael is conceived and born. You know he is not the son of promise. It would be another 12 years before the promised son would come through the womb of Sarah. God does this miraculous work, but it's this idea, human nature, we feel like sometimes we got to get our hands in the mix. Help God out a little bit. Anybody here ever feel like you want to help God out a little bit? Maybe, maybe you're looking for the promises, and they're just not coming in your timing or my timing, and we figure we need to really help the Lord out here a little bit. Well, you know, uh, Isaac, the son of promise, and his wife, Rebecca, there's a very similar human nature. All things are common to man. And so with this, there's a son of promise who's going to go through, which is Jacob. And Jacob is the younger of the two sons between Esau and Jacob. And it was given to them prophetically by God that the older would serve the younger. And yet, it's time for the blessing to be administrated. It seems like Isaac is kind of being obstinate against the Lord. So Rebecca contrives with Jacob, her son, the one whom she seems to favor, and says, hey, Dad's passing out the blessing. He's going to give it to Esau. Listen, Esau's out in the field hunting. You go get me a goat. I'll make some stew, and we'll put some goat's hair on you, and we'll let you receive the blessing. So they figure, hey, we got to get our hands in on this and help God, as if God couldn't do it on his own. After all, I mean, he spoke and the world's worked. Maybe God needs help. But I think that's human nature. We forget who God is sometimes. And so Jacob now, he's contrived with his mom. He's lied right through his teeth to his father. Who are you, my son? I am Esau, your eldest. Well, it's Jacob's voice. Come close to me. And he feels his son's arms. He says, oh, it's it's Esau's skin, hairy, but it's Jacob's voice. Are you sure you're my son Esau? Oh, yes, Dad, I'm Esau. I mean, he's just like... And how did you get your fruit so quickly? Oh, well, your God has blessed me out in the field. I mean, he's invoking the name of God in his whole lie. And so, Isaac blesses Jacob. Incidentally, which would have happened regardless of Rebekah and Jacob. God would have accomplished his plan without them getting their hands in the mix. Well, they get their hands in the mix, and there's consequence. Esau comes in after this whole ordeal. Jacob's received the blessing. Esau comes in from the field. He says, hey, Dad, I brought your porridge. Here's your red stew. And he says, who are you? He says, I'm Esau, your son. He's all, whoa, 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 whoa. Who was the guy who just received the blessing? And Esau knew it was Jacob, and he hated his brother. And in his heart, he conceived that he would, after his father had passed, and the time of mourning was over, that he would kill his brother Jacob. That's hatred. He was really scheming about this. 
to Jacob, Rebekah gets word that these words were not only contrived in Esau's heart, but were actually spoken out loud, and it was reported to her. So she tells her son, you better get out of Dodge. She tells Jacob, it's time for you to hightail it to my brother's house, Laban's house. And then he, he says to Isaac, she says, oh, my heart is ailing. These daughters of Heth, man, far be it from my son Jacob to marry one of the daughters of Heth. He's got to get out of Dodge, get over to Haran, and marry someone from my family. After all, Esau didn't do that. He's got these two Canaanite wives, and they're a thorn in my side. There's no fellowship here. And so Isaac says, yep, blesses his son, this time knowingly blesses his son. Seems like she really acquiesces, if you will, to the will of the Father. Is there some of us here today who really need to acquiesce to the will of God? Right? Isaac learns, acquiesces, blesses his son, and sends him on his way. Sends him to the land or the area of Haran so that he might find a wife for himself from Rebekah's brother Laban's house. And so, kind of this flight or uh, fight or flight mentality, and he's like, I'm out of Dodge, man. I'm, I'm fleeing. And he escapes for his life, if you will. We're going to read today chapter 28, verses 10 through 19, and I'll read these just in a moment. And then, well, really, the, the title of today's message is Bethel, Bethel, the house of God, the house of God. And what I would like for each of us to be reminded of today is that we are the dwelling place of God the Spirit. If your faith today is in Jesus Christ, you are the dwelling place of God the Spirit. You have become the house of God. Your life has become the house of God. Okay? So let's remember that. Let's look at this portion of Scripture. I brought you up to speed kind of what's happening. Incidentally, after Esau overhears his mother's conversation about uh, the daughters of Heth and that whole area there, he, like, contrives in his own mind, well, I'm going to go take uh, another wife. He's got two already. He's going to take another. He goes to Isaac's older brother, Ishmael's house, and takes a wife for himself. Again, just furthering this rift and worldliness and this rift uh, between he and his parents, if you will, uh, or certainly his mother. We come to verse 10, and it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it as a, uh, at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder. And you might underline the word ladder there. It's only used one time in Scripture, and it's used here. It's an interesting word, and it, it, is, a, it is a staircase, if you will, a ladder. set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you 
and to your descendants. Now, will you stop for just a moment and look this way? Numbers reminds us in the Pentateuch that God is not a man that he should lie, and he is not the son of man that he should repent. He said, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. What do you suppose God meant by that? I'm pretty certain he meant, I will give you the land and this land to your descendants. God says what he means, and he means what he says. Just so you know, and your own personal policy towards the nation Israel, this particular land that he is lying on is Bethel. Today it has the name Bethel, and it is in the West Bank. They're trying to make a two-state nation of Israel. The land does not belong to Palestine and the Palestinians. There's no such thing. The land belongs to the nation of Israel because of the promise of God. Everybody understand that? And they're going to get it. In our lifetime, or in his time. But the land belongs to Israel, God's chosen people. We always want to be biblical in our position, politically. It's important. We want to be on God's page. Okay, that's enough said there. All right. He says in verse 14, Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. He'll do what? Bring them back to this land. He says, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How often is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and took a stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz previously. Let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, may our hearts be transformed by the truths contained, the principles that are there for our drawing out and really weaving into the fabric of our living, that we might walk according to the promises of God with the principles being made alive. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said strong amen. Amen. Jacob's on the run. His life has been threatened. He's deceived. He knows his own failures, just like everybody here in this room. You know your own weaknesses, and you know your failures. But to be reminded that they do not dictate your future. Let's just pray for a moment. Our past does not dictate our future. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. But 
Jacob's road, his circumstances, they've not been easy. He's really getting out of Dodge kind of in a hurry. He almost leaves without saying goodbyes. And he's skating and he's moving. He's, he's traveling some 500 miles to Haran. And on his way, some 70 miles or so, he's made it now from Beersheba to Bethel. Whether he's traveling with a donkey or a camel, we do not know if he's on foot. If he's on foot, he's several days into the journey, right? I mean, he, if he's hoofing it, he might get 20 miles a day walking without an animal. If he's with an animal, he might have at least a moderate pace where he could travel 20. So he's like second, third, fourth day, and he's there. And he's on, he, it's an uphill climb, it's rocky, and it's barren. He's got food. I'm sure his mama packed him some goodies. But he doesn't have ice and he doesn't have refrigeration, so it's not going to last super long. He's exposed to the elements. He's not a hunter. In the midst of family discord, his brother hates him. In the midst of literal rejection, if you will, Life is being sought. He's hated and despised. He's all alone, without a companion. He's unemployed. He's without necessities. He's a tent dweller. He doesn't even have a tent, let alone bedding. When was the last time you nuzzled up onto the ground and said, I can't wait to just rest my head on this great little stone right here? You know, there's a new commercial coming out for a guy who started a company made in America, My Stone. is not in my notes, <laughs> and nor should it be. <laughs> he's out of necessities, no tent, no bedding. He's out of his element. First of all, it's at night. He's accustomed to tents. He's out in the wilderness. He might have a weapon. We don't know, but he, we certainly know he's not a hunter. He's un, in his unfamiliar territory. Uh, it's been a hard journey probably thus far, and it's an uphill climb. He's in the mountains now. Uh, uncertain of where he's going. He knows he's headed toward Haran, but we don't even know that he knows how to get there. So he's just moving toward. One can only speculate as to what his feelings may have been. Perhaps you're here today and you're under cir similar circumstances. Difficult times, hardships, heartache, rocky road, climbing uphill both ways. It seems like everything is just difficult. Things are against you. You feel alone. All of these circumstances are coming. And you might say in your own heart, no one knows how I feel. I want you to know today there is someone who knows how you feel. In the midst of whatever your circumstances are, no matter what your journey, no matter what your road, no matter what you're running from, no matter what you're moving away from, no matter what you're moving toward, God knows your heart. He knows how you feel. He, has, he is familiar with and he is able to help you in your time of need. I think it's beautiful that he has this magnanimous vision, dream, and the Lord appears to him. The Lord appears to him. The Lord had appeared to his father. The Lord had appeared to his grandfather. Now the Lord appears to him. 
Who knows what he may have been thinking as he was staring up into the starry sky as he had his head laying upon a rock. Who knows the thoughts? Maybe he was thinking, where are you, God? He certainly would know the prophecies. He certainly would know from his mother that the Lord had spoken to her very clearly that his brother would serve him and that he would be the recipient of the birthright and that all peoples would be blessed through his seed. And yet here he is running for his very life. Maybe your circumstances, you're looking and believing for the promises of God and yet hardship and difficulties seem to be hitting you on every side. You're thinking, where's God? Where is God? He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. Be reminded today that God's presence is not dictated by our awareness. God's presence is not dictated by our awareness of his presence. God is in this place. I am Jehovah God, he says. The land where you lie, I will give to you and to your seed. Do you notice that's a future statement? I will give. That's a promise. That's a promise. He said your seed will be as the seed or as as the dust of the earth. He's not even married yet. God's speaking life into his circumstances. You're going to have a wife. You're going to have kids. This guy needed to know that. He needed to hear that. He believed it. Now God is speaking it to him and reaffirming his promise. Then he says, I am with you. I am with you. To every believer whose faith is in Jesus Christ, he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He says, I will keep you. In all places you go, I will bring you here again. I will not leave you, he said. I will, I am with you, I will keep you, I will not leave you. That's three great promises for believers like you and I. So, Bethel. Jacob, God is with us. I love the fact that Jacob, amidst no matter what his involvement of all the minutiae beforehand, the conniving, whatever part he played, when he encounters the king, the God of the universe, the God of the universe did not recite to him all of the things that he did wrong. You know, Jacob, blah, 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 blah. But I want you to know that he doesn't do that with you and me. The Bible tells us, Paul writing to the church in Rome, in the 8th chapter, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. You and I, we may know and be reminded of our record. In fact, other brothers and sisters, others in the world may remind us of all of our faults. But God doesn't. God doesn't. No 
condemnation for those who are in Christ. And when he encounters Jacob, he doesn't remind Jacob of all his stuff. He also, he's not abandoning. He's not abandoning. Like the disciples that were in the boat when Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. Jesus gets underneath and goes into the bow of the boat and he's laying down on some rigging, maybe some tarps or what have you, some nets, and he takes a mat and a tempest comes up and they're being swamped, these experienced fishermen, Matthew chapter 8. No, we're going to die. We've got to go wake Jesus up. Save us. We're drowning. And Jesus awakes, oh, ye of little faith. And he speaks to the storm. Be still. And the winds and the waves obey. It's almost like he had to remind them. Didn't I say we were going to the other side? Listen, sometimes we feel like, I wonder if God's in my boat. Can I suggest to you, your boat is in his? Jesus to get on your boat, Jesus picked your boat up and put it in his boat when you said yes to him. You're going to make it. But let's not live our lives with the idea I'm going to just make it. Let's dream big in God's kingdom. Might come back to that thought in a minute. He's, he's got it. So regardless of your actions, he doesn't chastise Jacob. He's not indicting him. Rather, he's our advocate, Hebrews tells us. Or excuse me, 1 John tells us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. That we have an advocate. If we sin, we have an advocate before the Father. He's ever making intercession for us. He's not indicting us. Yeah, well, here's Dave Morris. Sucker, man, he's always blowing it. He's doing this, that, and the other thing. No, who's that one doing that? That's right, it's our enemy. He's the prosecuting attorney. And every time an accusation is made against a child of God, Jesus stands in intercession as the advocate. I've got him covered. I've got him covered. I've got him covered. Not indicting, not condemning. Regardless of your circumstances or your atmosphere. Regardless of your atmosphere. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. No matter what the storm, no matter what the calm. Maybe you're in the midst of a total calm. Maybe your calm is like the doldrums. All the weathermen know what the doldrums are. You need the winds. you got to get into the northeasterlies or you got to get down here to the whatever other winds are down there. But man, if you're stuck in the doldrums, your sails just go boop, and you're sitting in the water. Just sitting. Listen, no matter what you're just sitting is, or no matter what your storm is, He is with us. Regardless of our awareness, again, His presence is not determined by our perception. His presence is with us. Jacob is un- unaware. I wonder sometimes if we're unaware of the presence of God in the midst of our scenario. I am with you, he says. 
you even unto the ends of the age. I will not leave you nor forsake you, he says. If your faith is in Christ today, you are not alone. He is with you. Thanks be to God when we express faith in Jesus Christ, God the Spirit took up residence in us. He's in us. If you're born again today, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and the entire power of the universe dwells in you. down, put it on the Palm Pilot, Larry Flama here, Palm Pilot, write it on your hand. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Go read about David's mighty men. David's mighty men. He sucks. Fear or flight, they don't run. They run toward because of who they are. Benaiah, on a snowy day, chased a lion. He chased a lion into a pit, jumped into the pit, and killed the lion. Just give yourself a little imagery here. 500-pound female lioness, or male lion, there's probably 556 of them. You. Natural instinct. Adios. Next occurrence. Lion has men which. Gone. Not this guy. Snowy day. Sees footprints. Chases them. Takes his life. Gets into the pit with him. This is contrary. I Let me submit to you. As children of God, God has a plan and has a purpose, and he wants to do extraordinary things through his church. Let's begin to think that way. So, I want to say point two, God has a will for you. So God is with you. Number two, God has a will for you. That's purpose and a plan. So we have the promise in his presence, and now he has a purpose and he has a plan. Like Jacob, God has a plan for you. Notice these things that are said of Jacob. He says, in re reference to the land, I will give to you, I will, future. Your seed will be, again, that wise and family. All families will be blessed by you. The promise of a seed, the Messiah, the deliverer from his loins. God is good. 
there's only one good, Jesus said, and that's God. We're reminded in the epistles, every good and perfect gift flows from the Father of lights. He is causing all things to work for the good to those who are the called in Christ Jesus. He has a good plan for you and for me. Is it going to be absent of trial or tribulation or temptation? No. No. Yes, dang it. Because you're walking around with Superman, incidentally, Pastor Dennis, and everybody else here. I am Batman. I saw Chris walk in with Superman. I said, no way. I showed him Batman. He goes, my friend. (laughs) It's good. There's some basics with his good plan for you and his good purpose. There's some real basics. Be joyful always. Can we do that on our own? No. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So our source is in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It comes from the Lord, and it is our strength. Be joyful always, Paul, writing to the churches of Thessalonica. Be joyful always, pray continually, and in all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty basic. There's some basic things that the Scripture tells us, but here's the beauty. God's not just dealing with you in basics. Here's some things that you should have, blah, 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 blah. No, He knows very specifically. And He has a plan that's very specific for you and for me. And that's so good. That's so good. Two greatest days of a man's life, the day he's born and the day he discovers why he's born. Why? God saved you. Why? Why? Oh. I, and I'm confident. I'm, I am absolutely confident that if we will seek Him, He will tell us in advance what it is. Why do I, why do I believe that? Because that's, that's, that is how Jesus lived. That's how He lived. Not just one day a week, Seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 365 days in the year. I only do those things I have seen with my Father. The Lord was revealing and He was following. Just be reminded also, here's a couple of scriptures. You're part of his good treasure. We're just part of his good treasure. The scripture reminds us this in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Ephesians 1, 5, and verse 9, and then Philippians 2 and verse 13. Let's go to the third one because in the third point this morning, uh, I'm going to give you a new word. You won't find it in uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Uh, You will find it, however, in the Urban Dictionary. 
Number one, God is with you. Number two, God has a will for you. Number three, God will restrain you with faith. That's the new word. It's the diametrically opposed to the word withstand or withstood. To withstand is to be against. To withstand is to fully supply. To fully supply. I'm on your side, and I will supply and provide for you. One of the things that God provides for us is supply. I mean, when I use the phrase, I'm on your side, he provides the side. That's really his side. Does that make sense? And he will withstand us. You notice that in the vision there were angels ascending and descending on the ladder, on that staircase. Incidentally, just so you know, the New Testament tells us who the ladder is. You can read about it in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the whole story of Philip and Nathaniel. When Nathaniel's coming forth toward Jesus, he says, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel's like, You don't even know me. And he said, Well, I, I saw you today by the fig tree. He's like, You are Messiah. He says, Wait, you believe because I told you that I saw you? He says, <laughs> Stick around. You're going to see some greater things. You will see the angels of heaven ascending and descending on the Son of Man. On me. Jesus is the ladder. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to the very throne of God. No man comes to the Father but by me, says Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the ladder. And Angels are ascending and descending on Jesus. Listen, Jesus said, when his disciples asked, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, Jesus, these angels ascending and descending, they're ascending and descending on him. He is the word. It's on his word that they're put into motion and they're moving. And the scripture tells us that they are ministering spirits unto men. Several times we see in Jesus' life that angels came and ministered to him, supplying what he needed. That's a demonstration of what our Father will do on our behalf. They are ministering spirits unto men, the Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. He will restrain you throughout the course of your life. Scripture tells us that he will guide our footsteps. Psalm, 30, er, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We used to sing that song. Remember that, Dennis? Rejoice for the steps. Of a righteous man, they are ordered of God. They are ordered of God. Rejoice for the steps of a righteous man. They are ordered of God. That's good news. That's enough to sing about it. That was in the key of E. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6 reminds us, you know the whole portion, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will do what? He will direct your path. He'll make the way straight. That is an amen. Praise God. You know the word direct there means to make smooth or to make straight? 
Listen, if you've got a rocky road, trust in the Lord and acknowledge Him. He'll make the rocky paths smooth. Hallelujah. Isaiah 45 reminds us that God prophesied before King Cyrus was even born, some 170 years before King Cyrus, the king of the Persians. Before he was even born, God says, I will take my anointed by the hand. Listen, we are God's anointed. He will take us by the hand. And he will not only level mountains before us, but he will make crooked places straight. That's what God does. It's the court. He'll help us. He'll help us through the campaign. <laughs> remember, remember Second Kings, Elisha. His servant pops out, sees the entire Assyrian army. He backs into the tent. You know the story. We talked about it very recently. In fact, I had a phenomenal conversation with my brother Chris just the other night about God speaking that word. There are more with us than there are against us. Think about the story in, uh, in uh, I think it's Second Samuel, no, Second Kings. I don't remember. Uh, maybe it's Chronicles, Second Kings. Just show up. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. God will fight our battle, our campaign. If God is for us, who can be against us? Hmm. Thanks be to God. And he will do it through completion. So the journey of the battles and the victory. He's going to bring it to completion. Paul, again, writing to the church in Colossae. I'm confident of this very thing. Being, in fact, he says it this way, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He shall perform it. You ought to buck up. You ought to hop the fence. Let's, let's live that way. Let's live with the very acknowledgement that God is with us. God is with us. All too often as believers, we, we like to make excuses. We like to make excuses for why things can't be rather than why they can be. Why they can be. I would invite you to have your mind renewed by the washing of the water of the Word of God. It is in the Word of God that declares that with God all things are possible. believe that at his word. Let's believe his promises and let's live that kind of life. Let's live like David's mighty man. Let's dream big in the Lord. Let's not chase wrong things. Let's chase right things. I think it's fair to say you and I, we are becoming what we love. We're becoming what we love. And if you're loving the wrong things, you're becoming the wrong things. Far be it from us to be climbing a ladder only to realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. Right? That's a problem. We're, we're not here building our own kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. And with that in mind, 
not leave God-sized opportunities on the table of regret. Let's not leave God-given passion on the altar of fear or on the wrong altar of curiosity. And let's not leave God-sized dreams on the wrong pillar of rock for dreams. And let's have a regret in the Lord and in Him alone. Be reminded today Will you stand with me, worship team? Will you come back up? We're going to close with that song, I Am Not Alone. That'll be the conclusion of our service. Pastor Dennis will close us in a word of prayer. If you're here today and you have felt like you are all alone, if you are here today and you have felt like, where is God? If you have felt any one of these circumstances, know this. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. He goes before us. He will supply and provide along the journey. He will fight the battle. He is God. May the Lord bless us and keep us. Pastor Ben.
Lord God, I thank you for the word of Pastor Dave today. The rhema word that we needed to hear. We're not alone. You are for us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He stands by us. He comforts us in time of need. And as we go from this place, may we cling to those promises and walk in faith. We'll give you thanks today. In your son's name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a good morning. Hey, I want to remind you that there is Afterglow immediately following. So don't forget, Afterglow.